Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Again, we turn to Colossians, Paul's letter written while he's in prison. He's far away from them, but he's writing to them and he has so much information that, as we see, is still so relevant to today. That's because this book isn't old, it's timeless. And that means what was of use in the days in which it was written is still just as every bit useful, helpful, God-directed today. We were guided last week in this letter as we talked about husband and wife relationship And as we move into that of parent and child, it's still the same in that it's hard to have loving, safe, healthy, life-giving, enjoyable relationships when one person is domineering over the other. If you think about it culturally, when Paul is writing, it was in the context of the Roman Empire, and in that context, the father was very domineering. He was overbearing. He was dominating. And if you can imagine this, a child was considered like his property, like like you would list children among livestock and land. So that meant the children had no legal right and there was no authority above the father. So if it got to the point where he was tired of them, they were no longer serving his purpose or just out of indebtedness, he could sell them as slaves. And there was no recourse because there were no legal rights for their children. Needless to say, if you had a good dad, that was a blessing. If you had a bad dad, life could be very painful and difficult. So when Paul is writing to the fathers, what he says would actually be countercultural, controversial, that fathers are to love, invest in, and care for their children. In our day, there are pockets where there is a reversal of this cultural experience, where you see it in preteens and teens, when in children they are domineering their parents, rebellious, obstinate defiant, disobedient. There's even that storyline in a lot of teen-related movies and TV shows where it's all about rebelling against the parents. So the Bible has great wisdom. And what we're going to see today through the Apostle Paul is he's going to speak to parents and children as to how to honor God and lovingly serve and care for one another so that it's not domineering, but instead creating an atmosphere, an attitude where there is affection and devotion, where the parents can lead and the children can flourish. Well, our passage this morning, much like last week, is only two verses in length. The very first one, Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. First thing to note, he's writing to children. God has particular 
directives to children, especially children who are growing up in a Christian home. And the word that Paul uses for children indicates a minor, someone of of a young age. You know, in the second book of the Bible, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, one of the Ten Commandments is that we are to honor our mother and father. Honor is something you do toward your parents for the entirety of your life. My dad died when I was 11, but my mom, uh, not until she was 92, so there was a, there was a lot of time in there to, to honor her, and many of you know that she came to live with us when she was 90, and so for a couple of years in there, I, I honored her. I, I certainly tried to take care of her, but I got to admit, I didn't obey her. <laughs> As an adult, well, I had to make my own decisions about what's best for me and my family, and, and in many cases, I had to make decisions about her own health care. But throughout the years, I certainly sought her input and support, but I've got to make my decisions as an adult. So you honor your parents for your whole life, you obey your parents when you're a child. Now, Paul says that children are to obey, and oftentimes, obedience is in place for their safety. Like, don't go play Dodge Car on 601. Obey that one. Obedience is required to keep them out of harm's way. And let me say this, obedience is not bribing. You can tell when a child is bribed because they turn into a small attorney and they're negotiating every deal. So when you say, it's time for bed, well, what do I get if I go to bed? You get to live. (laughs) Well, can I get ice cream? No. It's not bribing because bribing is simply rewarding them for bad behavior. Also, this does not mean, when Paul speaks of obedience, it does not mean parents obey your children. How many have seen parents like that? They just do what the kids tell them. So a child has a tantrum in public, and you're like, okay, okay, be quiet. You're embarrassing me. But the tantrum continues, and so what does the parent say? All right, all right, I'll give you whatever you want. Just stop. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This is the Father heart of God speaking here. Because God does not want a situation where the parents are overbearing and domineering. He also does not want a situation where the children are rebellious and foolish against godly parental authority. God wants to have the family have harmony and order. For that to happen, the parents need to lead. The children need to follow the leadership of the parents. And they all need to follow the Lord. So God is the father of the whole family, and that's what brings structure in life and health and relationship. This may be somewhat different from the parenting strategy that you were brought up with. In the 1970s, one of the most popular parenting strategies taught family democracy. 
in that parents and children are on the same level, and everybody got an equal vote, and that's what happened whenever there were major decisions. Now, it's okay to ask for your children's input and opinions, maybe about where you want to eat or where you think you want to go on vacation. It's okay to ask that, but as parents, you had the final say. Now, obviously, when you have adult children, that dynamic is different between parent and child. But when they are of preschool, elementary, even youth age, they don't have the maturity yet to make adult decisions and therefore take on adult responsibilities. So a few thousand years ago, the principles in here were true. A few thousand years from now, they will still work. You see, every generation is going to have its fads, and leading experts will tell you, well, this is its usefulness and and why you should get on board with this way of of doing things, And, and even in family settings. And a lot of people are going to rush to implement these new strategies. Unfortunately, many such social behaviors actually ended up doing harm to the family than good. But here's what I want to tell you. The Bible will always work. You want to know what the Bible teaches about parenting? Read the book of Proverbs. That book is is thousands of years old, and yet it is timeless. It's an eternal book, as is all the rest. In other words, let God's Word be the center of your home. I used a similar illustration last week when it comes to the husband and wife relationship. Parenting is much like gardening. It takes a lot of work, and you may not see the fruit of it immediately. You've got to be patient because it takes no work at all for weeds to grow. It takes a lot of work to tend to a healthy garden. And children left to themselves will become rebellious and foolish and self-destructive because they have a sin nature in them, as we all do. So our responsibility as parents is to do the work of gardening, to tend, to cultivate, to instruct, to correct. It's a lot of work. It's a lifelong endeavor. Parenting never stops. But ultimately, God's Word gives you all the directives you need to do a good job as a parent and as a child. So now Paul is going to address parents specifically. And when he is speaking here to fathers, he's speaking pointedly to them, but he is speaking principally to others. So, principally, this would refer to moms, especially single moms, and grandparents, and teachers, and coaches, and Sunday school teachers. Uh, Some of you think, well, I don't have children, so this doesn't apply to me. Sure, it does if your sphere of influence includes children. You have nieces, nephews as well. But the reason I believe Paul focuses on fathers is because in that context, in that culture, fathers were in the domineering position. Furthermore, as the family leader, if the dad does certain things right and well, 
it will affect and infect the family in a positive way. Statistically, if dad becomes a Christian, mom and the kids become Christian. If dad goes to church, mom and the kids go to church. If dad reads the Bible and prays, mom and the kids read the Bible and pray. Here's what he says, fathers, do not embitter. Now, that's the word in the NIV. I put in brackets the word provoke. That occurs in other translations. I think it's easier for us to understand that word. Do not provoke your children or they will become discouraged. Okay, so what are some ways that parents provoke or discourage their kids? Number one, doing more criticism than encouragement. Relationships are like bank accounts. Encouragements are deposits. I love you. I was proud of you. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Encouragements are deposits. Criticism, even correction, are withdrawals. All relationships will have some share of withdrawals. As a parent, you're going to have to step in with corrections. But what provokes or discourages a child is when all you do is make withdrawals and you never make a deposit in their life. Maybe some of you grew up where you never heard or experienced a parent say, I love you. But boy, they would tell you in a heartbeat if you did something wrong. Every time you did something right, maybe your dad never said a word. But the moment, moment you slip up, he's all over you. Number two, another way to provoke, discourage, physically or verbally threatening, intimidating, shoving them, controlling them, raising your voice, public humiliation, that's provoking and, and discouraging. That's making withdrawals. Number three, correction without instruction. You can't correct them for something they didn't know about. You didn't teach them. Obviously, they don't know. So you go, all right, let me explain this. Number four, it can be provoking and discouraging if parents don't distinguish between sins and mistakes. Some of us get frustrated with our kids because we want everything perfect. The difference between sins and mistakes is this. Mistakes are how we learn. So it's not rebellious. It's not disobedience. It's simply a part of growing up. Let's say, for instance, your child has a full glass of milk in front of them. And this is a young child, and they go to pick it up, and it slips out of their hand. Is that a sin? (laughs) No. Unless you heard them say beforehand, hey, watch this. (laughs) That's a sin. Full glass of milk slips out of their hands. You can't discipline them. It was your mistake in the first place for giving them a glass that they could slip out of their hands instead of a sippy cup. You should be disciplined. I'll give you two more briefly. Being physically present, sometimes this happens to so many of us. Being physically present, but emotionally or uh, mentally absent. You're there, but you're, you're not there. You're not engaging. 
And this one, not repenting of your own sin. If a parent never says, I was wrong, how many of you never heard that from a parent? I was wrong. It was my fault, not yours. I didn't teach you that. I wasn't paying attention. You do that, and it allows for forgiveness and allows for grace to take over. Now, having said all of that, as parents, we all get a little discouraged. Every grandparent gets a little discouraged. You look at what Paul says and certainly what he means behind these words, and you're thinking, wow, there's a whole lot there that I haven't done right. Well, let me give some encouragement to all of us. Let me give some deposits to you. Number one, God is a father, and he wants to parent you and love you and help you, and he will guide you to lovingly raise your kids so you're not on your own. Your heavenly father is there. Secondly, you can always point your children to Jesus. Remember, they are born in a sin nature, with a sin nature. Point them to the Lord Jesus who died for their sins. That way they know that there's a Savior they can run to. Someone they can pray to. When they have struggles, share those with. And remember, Jesus is a God who knows what they're going through. He was born as a little child. We're about to get there in our calendar year. He was born to imperfect earthly parents. He had to go through all the childhood things, even teenage years. He knows what they're going through. And finally, hear this. Your kids don't need a perfect parent. They simply need you. So parents, God loves you. He loves your kids. And He's got good plans for your family. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are our Father. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care because you came as a child and you identify with kids. You brought them around you even as an adult. And you lovingly instructed them and through them their parents to provide a safe, healthy, life-giving home. And Lord, you're there to help us parents. I pray for the parents in this church as they're going to experience a lot of different situations, some difficult, maybe more so than others. Strengthen them, hold them up when they feel overwhelmed. Give them your grace to bring up their kids in a loving, safe, healthy home. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.